As we get into the Word of God today, we're going to continue with the amazing message that Fran delivered last week. Fran talked about the rhythm of being with God, that our doing for God has to be sustained out of our being with God. And so she gave us this great picture of the be-do, be-do, be-do lifestyle that we're going to be with God and we're going to do. And I want to continue in that same vein as we've been talking about emotionally healthy discipleship. Uh, We're not going to introduce a new concept today uh, because we have a class on Wednesday to deal with the concept that we've already introduced. So instead, we're going to stay in the same vein. And as Fran talked about the daily office and Sabbath, I want to continue to talk about the Sabbath. Right, And I feel like maybe Mother's Day is a great day to talk about the Sabbath uh, because a mom's work is never done, right? And, and for, for moms especially, we can, uh, you can fi- have a hard time finding time to rest. Uh, you can have a hard time slowing down. In fact, I know this from my wife and also from other ladies that I know that you actually feel guilty when you rest. Because uh, you feel like there's so much else you should be doing and this guilt comes upon you that I shouldn't be sitting around. I should be doing something. And, and I want to encourage you on this Mother's Day for the ladies, but for all of us, that we would find Sabbath delights. That, that we would find this rhythm of rest and that we would discover this amazing gift. Right? And it's not just rest that matters. It's the rhythm of our rest that matters. Right, Because some of us, our idea of rest is that we just go, go, go for weeks and months at a time until we completely flame out and break down. And, and then we've got to like shut ourselves down for several weeks before we do it again. Right, Or we think, I just have to survive until the next vacation. And when I get the next vacation, I'll rest. Right, Rest isn't just about the rest itself. It's about the rhythm of the rest. And I want us to experience the gift of the rhythm that God has given us. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. If you've got your notes, you can find your notes inside the bulletin or on the church app, or they're attached to this video if you're watching this video on our website, or they're attached to this audio podcast if you're listening to this audio. And you can see our big picture point today is this. The Sabbath is a gift from God. But to enjoy the blessings of a gift, one must know how to receive it and how to use it, right? In order to enjoy the blessings of a gift, we have to know how to receive it and how to use it. For example, winning the lottery. Did you know this? That from 2002 to 2017, during that 15-year time period, there were five people that won the Mega Millions Powerball Jackpot Lottery tickets and never collected their winnings. There were five people during that 15-year span, and they ranged from a prize of $31 million for a ticket that was purchased in Queens, New York in August of 2006, all the way up to a ticket that was worth $77 million that was purchased in Georgia in June of 2011. Five times, somebody won the Mega Millions jackpots And either didn't know they won or didn't know how to redeem it or lost their ticket or whatever the case may be. But you know what? It did them no good because they didn't know how to receive it. Right? we got to know how to receive it. And then there's the story of the young man who made a fortune in the oil business. 
And so for Mother's Day, he really wanted to honor his mom. And since he had this, this wealth, he wanted to buy something extravagant because his mom was worth an extravagant gift. So he does this research, and, and he finds out about this South American bird. And this bird is just beautiful, right? It's this large green bird, and it's got these yellow feathers that tuft off of its head. And the bird is incredibly intelligent. It has a vocabulary of 4,000 words and can speak in three different languages. And the bird sings these beautiful melodies, and, and, and the bird is a great companion. And he, he's like, this is it. This is the extravagant gift my mom needs. And so he, he pays for it. He has to go through the process of live shipping a bird from South America to his mom's house. And he got the notification that it delivered on Mother's Day. And he's so excited. He's waiting to hear from his mom. And his mom never calls him. And he waits all day. And she never calls. Finally, the next day, he can't take it anymore. He calls his mom. And he says, Mom, did you get the bird? And his mom says, Oh, yes, honey. It was delicious. The gift is only a blessing if you know what to do with it, right? All right, so we have to know how to receive it, and we have to know how to use it. And that's what I want to talk about today with the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is a gift of God, and I want us to be able to receive it. I want us to be able to experience the fullness of it. So let's go to the Bible, Mark chapter 2, and starting in verse 23. It says, and it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Right? And so you got to understand that in Jesus' day, they had attached so many rules to the Sabbath that instead of being a blessing, instead of feeling like a gift, it was a burden. People were afraid of it. They were afraid of breaking a rule on the Sabbath. And so it was almost like they lived on eggshells. Like, can I do this? Can I do that? And here you've got Jesus and his disciples on the Sabbath who are walking along and they're hungry. And so Jesus is like, well, eat some of these heads of grain. No point being hungry. And the Pharisees just lost their minds. They're like, how dare you work on the Sabbath? And Jesus reminds them that even David broke the rules of the Jewish law when he was fleeing from King Saul and he needed food, he went into the temple and took the bread that was reserved only for the priests because it was the only food he could think to find as he was running for his life. And so Jesus points out to them, listen, the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is a gift. Man wasn't made to serve the Sabbath. Man isn't supposed to be afraid of the Sabbath. Man isn't supposed to be burdened by the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made as a gift for man. And Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So listen, as followers of Christ, we tend to sin by either adding to God's word or subtracting from God's word. 
right? And so when it comes to the Sabbath, we can add to God's word by getting legalistic about it. Well, it has to be practiced on this day at this time. You have to do it this way. Everyone has to do it the same way. That's not what God's word teaches us. Colossians 2.16 says, don't let anyone act as your judge regarding the Sabbath day, right? But then we also subtract from God's word. How do we do that? We ignore the significance of the Sabbath. We declare it as obsolete. Ah, that's just Old Testament law. We don't have to Sabbath anymore. We minimize its importance to God, right? Oh, it's not that important. Now, you guys realize that the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. And the things that we say about the Sabbath, we don't say about any of the other Ten Commandments, right? I mean, we say, well, you know, the Sabbath is good, but you don't have to follow it because it's under the law, right? That'd be like saying, well, you know, it's good to not murder, but I mean, if you have to murder, it's not that big a deal, right? We don't talk about any of the other Ten Commandments that way. Well, you know, you shouldn't sleep with someone who's not your spouse, but if you do, I mean, I guess God's okay with it, right? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't lie, but it's no big deal. Ah, you shouldn't covet your neighbor's... No, we don't treat all the other Ten Commandments that way, so why do we minimize the Sabbath? So let's go to the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, and in verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what does it mean to practice Sabbath delight? I want to get into this so that we can receive this as a gift and we can experience the blessing of the gift that it is. You can see in your notes, to practice Sabbath delight is to set aside a 24-hour period every week to cease from all of our work, to commune with God, and to celebrate and enjoy God's creation. So let's talk about this for a second. It's a 24-hour period every week. It's a complete, continuous 24-hour period. It's not like, well, I rest four hours a day, six days a week, so that's 24 hours. No. It's a continuous 24-hour period. Now, we're not going to get legalistic about when it has to be, right? I keep my Sabbath on Mondays. You know, I know a lot of people consider Sunday the Sabbath because we go to church on Sunday, but Sunday's not a day of rest for me. I give myself completely on Sundays to, to minister to the church. So I take my Sabbath on Mondays. Under Jewish law, the Sabbath was from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday, right? So it was that continuous 24-hour period. Your Sabbath could be any day of the week, but it's about establishing the rhythm. It doesn't have to be the same day every week. But when you get into the rhythm of it being the same day every week, that's when we're going to be most likely to be consistent in keeping the Sabbath and in practicing the Sabbath delight. So it's a 24-hour period. What do we do in that 24-hour period? We cease from all our work. We stop working. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. We commune with God. We spend time with God. Now, 
This was one of the ones that I, I'm going to share two things today where I failed in the Sabbath, things that I'm learning about experiencing the fullness of the Sabbath gift. One of the ways that I failed is that I didn't commune with God because I work in church. When I stopped working, I also figured it was a day to not think about God. And so at the end of the Sabbath, I actually felt further from God rather than closer to God. And so this is something that I'm learning is that the Sabbath is not just about resting from my work. It's about communing with God. I want to feel closer to God at the end of my 24-hour Sabbath, not further from Him. And then we celebrate and enjoy God's creation. The Sabbath is a day of delights. It's a day of celebrating and enjoying. And, and, you know, when we read the creation story, what does it say over and over again? It is good. It is good. It is good. The Sabbath day is a day to revel in the fact that it is good and to enjoy all the things that God has given us. Right? We think about, well, you know, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a holy day where I just have to sit silently all day. No. Go do the things you love. Go out in nature and be in nature. Go out. If, if, if being at the beach brings you joy, go to the beach. If knitting brings you joy, then knit. Right? Whatever brings you joy, rejoice in the Sabbath day. All right, so let's talk about some principles of Sabbath delight here, and let's, let's go right to the beginning here, Genesis chapter 2. Now, can I just point out, I don't know exactly the story of how man broke the Bible up into chapters and verses, right? I know it happened a long time ago, and the point of it is just to make verses easier to find. The original text didn't have chapters and verses in it. They were just continuous scrolls of writing. But I find it interesting that the entire story of creation is in Genesis chapter 1 right up until day 6, and then they made a chapter break so that day 7 was in a different chapter. And I feel like maybe that's because man got the wrong idea that the sixth day was the climax of creation because that's the day that man was created on, when in reality the seventh day of creation was actually the climax of the story. Because it's on that day that God gave us a holy gift. Are you guys with me? Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day the Lord God made earth and heaven. What does it say God did on the seventh day? He rested, he blessed it, and he sanctified it. What does it mean that he sanctified it? It means that he made it holy. That's what we just read in Exodus chapter 20. God made it holy. So in your notes, the first point is this. The Sabbath is the only part of creation declared to be holy. Think about that. The Sabbath is the only part of creation. Now, we're used to, you know, people being declared holy. We're used to places being declared holy, right? Holy places, but in the original creation, there were no holy people and there were no holy places. There was only holy time. Time was the only thing that God declared to be holy. And it was a 24-hour period of time that God declared. What does it mean to be holy? To be holy means that it's set apart for God and for his purposes. 
So the Sabbath was declared to be holy. It means that that day, that 24-hour period, was set aside to be for God and for nothing else. I love the fact that it says in Exodus to keep the Sabbath holy. It doesn't tell us to make it holy because we can't make it holy. God made it holy. Our command is to keep it holy, to keep it set apart for God, to keep that day special in our rhythm with God. Right? And so what we see here is that not only did God create the heavens and the earth, God created time. Right? Before this act of creation, time didn't exist. Right? To God, a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. God lives eternally. He has no beginning. He has no end. There was no time. So God didn't just create the heavens and the earth. God created time. And it's interesting because now we argue about the time of creation. Did it happen 7,000 years ago? Is it an old earth? Is it a new earth? Well, maybe the emphasis wasn't supposed to be on the time of creation, but on the creation of time itself. God created time. Listen, when we talk about the Sabbath, one of the things that we always say is, well, how am I going to make time for the Sabbath? Well, that question even shows the arrogance of our humanity. We don't make time. God did. And he made seven days, and he declared one of them holy. We don't need to make time. We just need to keep holy what God already declared holy. So God created time. Then God created the seven-day week. And then God created the rhythm of that week for us to live with him. He did it all for us. We just have to live in it. But there is something holy even about the creation of the seven-day week. In 1793 in France, as a rebellion against the church and as a rebellion against Christianity, the French government decided to invent their own calendar. They invented a calendar that was a 10-day week. Why? So that they could work people for nine days before they got one day off. They thought, this is great. So they established this calendar, this new rhythm of life. You know what happened? Productivity plummeted. The suicide rate skyrocketed, and the people began to rebel. Why? Because in the arrogance of humanity, they tried to make time. When our job isn't to make time, it's to keep the time holy that God already made. Are you guys with me today? Amen. Come on. Second thing is this. The Sabbath foreshadows the gospel. The Sabbath foreshadows the gospel, right? I love this. So what happened on the sixth day? Why we see it very briefly in Acts, and I mean in Genesis chapter one, that God created humans. He said, "Let's create them in our image." So male and female, He created them, and He created them to uh, be good stewards of the earth, right? And then in chapter two, it breaks it down a little further. That first, God created Adam, and and then God brought all the animals in front of Adam. He got the the the, the gift of being able to name all the animals. But then God determined that uh, none of them were suitable, and so He put Adam into a deep sleep, uh, took a rib out of the rib, formed a woman, and gave the woman to Adam as a gift when he woke up. All of that happened on the sixth day. Then the next day, God rested, and he invited Adam and Eve to rest with him. Why is that significant? Because Adam and Eve hadn't worked for six days yet. 
Think about that. God worked for six days, and then he invited Adam and Eve to rest with him. That means that they were invited to rest before they had done anything to deserve it. And what a beautiful picture of the gospel. Right? We view the Sabbath as, well, if I work really hard for six days, then I deserve a day off. No, the Sabbath is a gift. You didn't do anything to deserve it. God gives it as a gift, just like salvation. So the Sabbath foreshadowed the gospel that God is giving us gifts that we don't earn and we don't deserve. We just have to know how to receive them. Pastor A.J. Swoboda said it like this. He said, we do not work to please God. Rather, we rest because God is already pleased with the work he has accomplished in us. Right? Rest is a gift from God because he's already pleased, not because we have to do something to please him. And therefore, Sabbath foreshadows the gospel, which means Sabbath and restoration are synonymous. Sabbath and restoration are synonymous. So when we practice Sabbath delight, I want you guys to catch this. For a brief moment in the chaos of our fallen world, when we practice Sabbath delight, we are restored to the Garden of Eden where we can rest in communion with God. So Sabbath and restoration are synonymous. Next point is this. To practice Sabbath delight is to be fully human. To practice Sabbath delight is to be fully human. We were created to be image bearers of God. And so what God modeled, we live out as his image bearers. What did God model? Work hard and rest well. God worked hard for six days, and then he rested well on the seventh day. And God invites us to bear that image for the world to see that we would work hard and we would rest well. That means that laziness is not a part of our image bearing. Working hard is a part of our image bearing. But resting well is also a part of our image bearing for God. It's a part of our identity. And so when we get out of this rhythm of working hard for six days and then practicing Sabbath delight for one day, when we get out of that rhythm, we lose our identity of who we are. And the very thing that God redeemed us for, we lose our identity and we aren't living out our full humanity that God called us to. So think about this. Sabbath and rest occurred before the fall. Sabbath and rest occurred before the fall, right? Think about this. God actually said it is not good before the fall. So when the world was perfect, there was no sin, there was no curse of sin, there was no fall, God actually said it is not good. What was he talking about? Anybody remember their Bible history? It is not good for man to be alone. So before the curse of sin, God identified that man has needs. So the fact that we have needs is not a curse of sin. It's not a weakness. It's not a shortcoming. It's who God intended for us to be. It's a part of the original design of our humanity. So think about it. God put Adam to sleep before the fall. That means sleep is a part of our humanity. And God invited Adam and Eve to rest with him before the fall. That means the Sabbath is not a curse of sin. The Sabbath is a part of our original human design. To have needs, 
to need relationship, to need sleep, to need rest, to need food and water, that is not a sign of weakness. It's what we were designed to experience. Right? I'll rest when I'm dead. I can work hard. I got this. I'm strong enough. No, we're denying our humanity. We're not experiencing fully who God intended us to be. God rested. Does that mean that God is weak? May it never be. Right? So don't think of rest as a sign of weakness. Don't think of having needs as a sign of weakness. Don't think of it as a burden because we live in a fallen world. No, it's a gift. It's part of our original design. And when we practice Sabbath delights, we are being fully human. The next one, to practice Sabbath delight is to rebel against the world's culture. To practice Sabbath delight is to rebel against the world's culture. When we decide that we're going to take 24 hours out of every week and do nothing in that 24 hours, do nothing productive, do nothing that would be identified as work, but in that 24 hours, simply commune with God and rejoice and delight in the life he's given us. When we do that, what we are declaring is, I am not a slave to the world system. I am not a slave to doing things the world's way. I am set apart for God, and I am going to do things God's way. It's a rebellion against the world's culture. When God instituted the Sabbath for the children of Israel, he was taking them out of hundreds of years of slavery. And he was declaring to them, you're no longer slaves. You are now free to rest. And we need to make the same declaration. We are no longer slaves to this world. We are free to rest. Going back to Pastor A.J. Swoboda, listen, this is challenging. You ready for this? He said, if the Sabbath is hard, then we're doing it right. It's never a sign of health or godliness to be well-adjusted to a sick society. If you can say, you know what, I can do it the world's way, and I've got a great rhythm of doing it the world's way. Well, is it really a sign of health that we've adjusted to doing it an ungodly way? So we have to reorient ourselves and say, you know what, I'm going to rebel against the world's way. I'm going to do it God's way. And this is what I love. The entire biblical story of creation is a rebellion against the world's culture. Now, we know that Moses wrote the story of creation divinely inspired by the Spirit of God to write down the history of how God created the world. But we also know that at that time, the Jewish people were not the only religious people in the world. There were several pagan cultures and pagan empires and pagan nations, Egypt being one of them, that had their own gods and their own ideas of history and their own creation stories. But listen, there are three things that set God's creation story apart from every other pagan creation story. Three things. The first thing is this. The biblical creation story is the only one that contends that all of creation is intrinsically good. It's the only one. All the pagan creation stories declare the world to be inherently evil, and everything that people are doing is to try to appease the gods to overcome an evil creation. But only God declared that creation is good. The second difference is that the biblical creation story is the only one that values women equally with men in the image of God. 
Every other pagan creation story declared that only men were in the image of God and that women were required to be subservient to men. Only God declared, male and female, I will create them. In our image, we will create them. Woman being equally valuable with man. And the third difference is the biblical creation story is the only one that invites humans to rest with God. Every other pagan creation story viewed humanity as slaves to be worked to the bone for the purpose of pleasing the whims of the gods. So think about this. The very creation story itself is a rebellion against the world's culture, that the world is good, that men and women are equally valuable in the sight of God, and that we were created to rest. And so when we practice Sabbath delight and we rest with God, we are rebelling against the world and we are reminding ourselves weekly that God is the center of the universe, not us. And I know we would never say it out loud that we think we're the center of the universe, but we think if I actually stop working for a day, the world's going to fall apart. The act of Sabbath delight is declaring that I trust that God's got everything under control. And if I don't do that until tomorrow, the world is going to keep on spinning. And God's kingdom is going to keep on advancing. God doesn't need me today because today is the Sabbath. Come on, somebody needs to hear that. God doesn't need me today. God is the center of the universe. And so practicing Sabbath delight is not only a rebellion against the world's culture, it's a declaration that I trust God. And I trust that God's in control, not me. And finally, practicing Sabbath delight is more than just a day off. Practicing Sabbath delight is more than just a day off. Excuse my language, but Eugene Peterson said this. He said, a day off is a bastard Sabbath. A day off is just a perversion of what the Sabbath was meant to be. And this is my second failure. I told you I'd share two with you. This is my second failure. For years, I just figured I was taking a day off. And what would I do in that day off? Catch up on all the stuff I fell behind on during my work week. The Sabbath is more than just a day off. What does that mean? That means that we cease from all work. Right? That's what the Bible said. Cease from all work. That means paid and unpaid work. Generally, we'll work all week long, and then on our day off, we'll do all the work we don't get paid for. But that's not what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is stop doing all work. The work you get paid for and the unpaid work that you do at home. What does that mean? That means on the Sabbath... We don't do the dishes. We don't vacuum the house. We don't pay the bills. We don't get caught up on our emails. We don't do any of that. Everybody was with me for the last half an hour, and now I just lost you. Now you're just like, Pastor, you've lost your mind. No. I am serious as a heart attack here. We cease from all work for 24 hours. We're not catching up on the honeydew lists. We're not doing any of that for 24 hours. We cease from all work. Practicing Sabbath delight is more than just a day off. It's 24 hours of ceasing from all work. I don't know if you know this in the Bible, but the Ten Commandments is actually listed twice. 
right? It's first shared with the people of God in Exodus 20, and then in Deuteronomy, they do a review of it. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and let's read the review of it because it actually is worded a little bit differently. Starting in verse 12 of Deuteronomy 5, it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall have labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. There's significant similarities. The most significant one is that both Exodus and Deuteronomy say to keep the Sabbath holy. But in Exodus... It says, remember the Sabbath. And in Deuteronomy, it says, observe the Sabbath. To remember and to observe. To do something, one must first remember it. And to remember the Sabbath, listen, is to remember who we are in Christ. To remember and to observe. So how are we going to make the Sabbath work? Let me have the the, the worship team come back up today. First, we're going to repent. What are we going to repent of? Whatever rhythm you've gotten into in life that has neglected the Sabbath. If you work seven days a week, then your act of repentance is going to be to rearrange your work schedule, even if that means you have to quit a job. And you say, well, if I quit a job, how am I going to pay the bills? We trust God. We trust God. My repentance was that I was just treating the Sabbath like a day off, but it's so much more than a day off. My repentance was that I ignored God on the Sabbath. It was my day just to be for me. And I'm repenting of that, and I'm trusting God. It's Mother's Day. People are like, how am I going to take a day of rest? I've got little kids at home. Single moms are like, there's nobody to help me. Listen, when God created the Sabbath, he knew everything. He knew that toddlers would exist. He knew that you would be in this exact moment, in this season of your life, and he still gave it to you as a gift anyway. We don't have to make the time. We just have to keep it holy. And we have to discover what that takes in our context to keep that time holy. So what do we do? We remember the Sabbath. That's in your notes. We remember the Sabbath. That means that we have to prepare for the Sabbath. If you go visit Israel, which I have never had the benefit of doing, so I heard this from somebody else. But if you go visit Israel, The cities in Israel get crazy on Friday afternoon. Why? Because when the sun goes down on Friday, nobody can do any work for 24 hours. So on Friday afternoon, they're bustling and getting everything done so that they can be ready for the Sabbath. In Jewish culture, Friday is called the day of preparation. They prepare for the Sabbath. So they make sure all their grocery shopping is done, right? They, they make sure all of the work is done. Everything is done so that when the sun goes down on Friday, they can practice the Sabbath. So what, what do we have to do? We have to prepare for the Sabbath. 
Get things done ahead of time so that you can keep the Sabbath holy, so that you have 24 hours where you don't have to do anything. You've got to prepare for the Sabbath. What do we do? We remember. And then what do we do? We observe. We have to protect the Sabbath. We have to protect it. Things are always going to come in and try to steal your Sabbath. Well, you got to take care of this. you got to take care of that. No, you don't. Turn your phone off on the Sabbath. <gasps> How will anybody get a hold of me? I'm sure they'll figure it out. Protect the Sabbath. Well, what do I do on the Sabbath? That's the great thing. Listen, first we have to ask ourselves, what do I not do on the Sabbath? Anything that is paid work, anything that is unpaid work, anything that wears you out, don't do it on the Sabbath. Don't do it. Don't check your emails. Don't do the dishes. Now, you still have to feed your kids, right? You still got to do that. You still have to change diapers on the Sabbath. You still have to do that. But decide what you're not going to do. And then listen, decide what you are going to do. The Sabbath does not just mean you sit around bored all day. You can do stuff. It's just stuff that communes with God, brings you delight, and allows you to rejoice in God's creation. So what brings you delight? Are there certain places that bring you delight? Then go to those places on the Sabbath. Are there certain people that bring you delight? Then hang out with those people on the Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't mean you have to isolate yourself in your house. Go be with people. Most Christians celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday because we're coming to church on Sunday. Be with people. What activities bring you delights? Golf brings me delight, so I golf on the Sabbath. What brings you delight? Go and do it. The other thing to think about is, a lot of times, is if your Sabbath is a resistance against the world, then whatever you do all week for work, do the opposite for the Sabbath. So, for example, if you sit at a desk static all week at work, then do active things on the Sabbath. But if you have an active job where you're working all week, then sit around on the Sabbath. Do the opposite. If you're outside all day for work, then go inside for the Sabbath. If you're inside all week at work, then go outside for the Sabbath, right? Do the opposite. If you're alone all week at work, then be with people on the Sabbath. But if you're with people all week at work, then be alone on the Sabbath, right? Whatever it is, there is no legalism here. It is about joy and delight. It's about trusting God enough to say, I'm not going to do anything productive. I'm not going to do anything that has to produce work or have an outcome or check something off my checklist. I'm not going to do it. I'm only going to go and delight and commune with God. And that will be a radical transformation in our lives. A radical transformation in our lives. I want to share one thought with you here as we close. I've gone a little long today, but I just had so much bursting out of me that I wanted to share about Sabbath delight. And that is that law-giving implies intent-breaking. You guys hear me? Law-giving implies intent-breaking. What does that mean? That means that you don't have to make a rule for something until somebody has broken the original intent of it, Right? As I was studying this this past week, I was uh, uh, walking by a swimming pool, and I saw a no diving sign. It was a three-foot swimming pool. 
It was not intended for diving. That was not the intent of the creation of that swimming pool. But you know what happened? Somebody dove into it, cracked their skull on the bottom. So what did they have to do? They had to make a rule because the intent was broken. You'll notice when you read the creation story, you'll never see the word Sabbath or the word marriage. But they're both in there. They were both created in the creation story. And what you'll find throughout the rest of the Bible is that there were a bunch of rules that were made for them. Why did God have to make rules for them? Because, God, because people broke the original intent. So listen, you could say, well, the Sabbath is just under the law. We don't have to practice it anymore. No, the only reason there was a law for the Sabbath is because we broke the original intent of the Sabbath. And so as followers of Christ, we are not called to throw the Sabbath away. We are called to be restored to Eden, to live in the original intent of the Sabbath, which is to trust God enough to take a 24-hour period out of the week, to cease from all work, to commune with Him, and to delight in His creation. That's what will make us fully human. And all of our exhaustion and chaos and anxiety and all of our ambition and all of our doing will become so much more fulfilling and productive and godly when we return to our original intent. Will you stand together with me? Jesus, I pray that we would receive this truth today. And I pray, Lord, that there would be only grace attached to it. That this is not about shame. This is not about guilt. This is about your grace giving us a gift we don't deserve. Calling us to a rhythm that you intended us for, Lord. So, Jesus, our prayer today is for restoration. Restore us to the intent of our design. Restore us to being fully human. Restore us to the abundance of life that you promised us. Jesus, help us, Lord, to receive the gift you gave us for the very purpose of that restoration. Jesus, give us the courage to remember the Sabbath and to prepare for it. Give us the courage to make radical transformations in our lives so that the Sabbath will fit Call us to a place of repentance, Lord, that we would repent of succumbing to the world's rhythm. And, Lord, we would trust you, and we would stand in complete resistance to the world's rhythm. And we would flow in the rhythms of grace. Like the beautiful hula that Fran shared with us, be do, be do, be do, we would flow in the uninterrupted rhythms of grace. Thank you that you have called us to bear your image, Lord. You have called us to shine your light to the world. Lord, let us shine that light not only in the gospel that we preach, but in the rhythm that we live. Let us live in the rhythm of Sabbath delights. Let us people see the wonderful gift we've been given and the great joy it brings us. Restore and refresh us, O oh Lord. Ah, oh, that we would be fully equipped to do all the hard work you've called us to do because we've received the wonderful gift you've made available to us. Call us to be a people of Sabbath delight. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.